I'm Gemma Frith and welcome to Wolves Weekly where I'm joined for the first time in a few weeks by club commentator Mikey Burrows. Mikey, it's been a while at least on the airwaves on Wolves Radio. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay, thank you. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, have you missed me? But then you've probably seen me an awful lot (laughs) over the last couple of weeks and what we've been getting up to that no doubt we'll we'll speak about shortly. Yes, definitely. Well, first of all, this week we, of course, returned to Premier League action against West Ham at Molyneux. Unfortunately, it was a disappointing result. Ended 3-2, letting in three goals to West Ham early on. We managed to pull back two, but it wasn't enough to get us a point. We're going to have a lot of things here that we need to break down and talk about, but maybe let's start with those negatives. Defensively, we weren't great last night. Yeah, the, look, there has been an issue uh, for a long time, not just this season, in that Wolves tend to concede the first goal. And um, we know that that's been an issue for a while, and we know it's something that they've been trying to work on. Mm-hmm. It has come to a fore because not only did they concede the first goal last night, they also conceded the second and the third. Yeah. And they did so in quick succession. The The problem they have at the moment, Jem, and, and this is it's going to sound like an excuse, but it, it's, a, it's a worthy excuse. And I think there are people that probably need to pay attention to this bit especially because mm-hmm. you look at the situation that Wolves went into the game last night. Yeah. There is no team in the Premier League that could cope with that situation, Mm -hmm. with losing that calibre of player and in the time frame that they did. So they come back from an international break and they are preparing for this game. And they've been a bit fortunate that it was on the Monday night, so they had a couple of extra days to get the players back in and get them ready. Mm -hmm. But within 48 hours before kickoff, they lose Johnny, who is the most consistent player in the team, that's probably, I don't think there's many people that would argue about that. Yeah. And, you know, because it, it was two days before, wasn't it, on Instagram that he was posting about how excited he was to be playing in the game. So most of the work they would have done would have probably been five at the back, including Johnny. Mm-hmm. So they lose Johnny. So then that's a headache for Nuno. How do we replace him? And then on the morning of the game, news comes through that they are now without their most imposing central defender in Willy Bolly. So again, they have to change. So all of the work they would have done to build up for that game was probably, I don't think I'm that far out in saying, was probably with five at the back and a completely different style. And so they had to come up with ideas to try and do it and to to counter the issues that they knew they were going to have because it's nothing new. We know what the situation is and has been with four at the back this season. Mm -hmm. They tried to go brave with courage and play more attacking players to counter it. We'll come to that in a second. Yeah. But what that did was then created more opportunities for West Ham to get at the back line. Very first time that uh, Nuno and his coaching staff arrived, Jem, all those years ago, I had a conversation with them and they talked about the shape, the three slash five at the back. Yeah. And how, in their view, it meant that they would never get cut open through the middle. People could get them around the sides and and would get set pieces and that kind of stuff, and they were aware of that. But the shape of the team was set up deliberately to stop people being able to run at them through the middle. Now, of course, that's different with four at the back. Four, two, three, one, four, five, one, whatever you want to call it. It exposes the the defence a little bit more. And that's what we saw, because Jesse Lingard was able to run through and run directly at our players and get through and get the goals. So... 
there is, a, you know, you have to take into account those injuries because if you take out the most imposing central defender, the most consistent wing back, then you also add into it the your most experienced central midfielder and your most potent striker. There is not a team in the Premier League, possibly in world football, mm-hmm. that is set up to cope with that. Fans will say, Jim, yeah, you've got to have a squad. It's a squad game. We need more players. I don't necessarily disagree that I would like more players in and around it. Mm-hmm. But nobody has the squad depth that can put in a like-for-like replacement yeah. for that many players. This is the situation that we're in at the moment. It's been a freak year for injuries. And I know you want to come on to Johnny as well, and we'll get to him in a second. But this is what we're dealing with. So on the plus points from it, Jem, you look at the other angles from the game. We know there are issues that they need to work on if they're Mm -hmm. going to play four at the back defensively. But going forwards, they created a host of chances. And I don't know what it was like from your view, (laughs) but if they'd have taken any of those in the first half an hour, it's a different game. Yeah, it was was a really positive game from an attacking perspective. You know, it was really good that Leander managed to pull one back just before half-time, which is, of course, his second goal against West Ham, scoring in the same fixture last season. Um, It's great to see him get a goal, and I think I'd I'd hoped that would sort of boost the team to come back in the second half and give them that glimmer of hope. And, of course, then we also saw Fabio Silva's goal, which I think is great for him to have another one under his belt um, and will be a real confidence boost for him so that hopefully we can see more from him going forward as well. So there was lots of positives to take from it, um, and lots of good chances, particularly some towards the end as well, that would have perhaps nicked us that point. Um, But, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Well, when you play against a team like West Ham, and, look, West Ham did it to us earlier in the season. It wasn't a 4-0 game at the London Stadium and it wasn't a a defeat really game for Wolves last night you look in terms of possession in terms of efforts on goal corners all that kind of stuff West Ham have done to Wolves this year what Wolves have done to West Ham and everybody else over the last couple of seasons being a perfect counter-attacking team and we almost need to take some credit for that because other teams have looked at what Wolves did in the last couple of seasons and said that's the way to go and, and get results, especially away from home. So they set up to be a counter-attacking team. And as we know, because as I say we've done it to everybody else, there are situations where that causes difficulties for the opposition team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth pointing out that Daniel Pedence had missed eight games yes, and was back, was clearly fit enough to play the first 45, but we don't know... You know, it may well have been the case that he probably wasn't going to start last night. And then because of the injury situations, they had to put him in. So, again, you know, the the injuries have cost Wolves at the moment. And there are a few players out of confidence in the attacking areas. But, and it's a big but, look at the chances they created. On another day against a team that aren't so adept at soaking up pressure as West Ham are... Wolves may well have gone on and won the game. They've got to stop conceding first and they've got to stop conceding so many, giving themselves such a lot to do. But if we're looking for positives, you're right, Dendonka's goal, finally, first Mm -hmm. of the season. Mm -hmm. Fabio Silva's goal, beautiful goal. Neto's ball over the top. His touch was superb and he found the bottom corner brilliantly. Yeah, great finish. Pedence is on the way back. Um, William Jose had two really good efforts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the first one he maybe snatched out a little bit, but getting the extra attacking players creates more opportunities for him. So let's focus on that. 
if we can get some players back, hopefully Jean Martinho not too far away. We don't know the exact situation that's going on with him. We know that Bolly will be back once he's served that period of isolation. So there is still an awful lot to play for this season. You know, we've still got an awful lot of games to come. Let's not panic just yet. Let's focus on what we need to do now because we know where they need to improve and we're on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, really taking into account how much they had to adapt at last minute last night, um, there are lots of positives to take away from the game. But yeah, let's let's speak a little bit about those injuries. Of course, the worst news of the lot is is Johnny, you know, another re-injury to his right knee. He must be absolutely devastated, you know, to have come back so strongly. You know, he made such a great recovery. I'm absolutely gutted for him and um, the team is really going to miss him. I just wish Johnny the best with his recovery and we'll have him back as soon as we can once he's back to full recovery. Yeah, uh, devastated is a, is a great word. I think everybody will be devastated for him. He's a very likeable guy as well, Johnny. And... Uh, as I said before, everybody knows that he is pretty much the most consistent performer you could mm-hmm. ever wish for. And when he when he first came back in that Leicester game, within five minutes, it was like he'd never been away. Mm, yeah. That's how good he is and how important he is to this team and to this football club. And, you know, I join you in sending our very best wishes and hopes for a speedy recovery for Johnny. I remember Jem a couple of seasons ago where... Wolves had uh, Nua Dicko and Jordan Graham. Both did anterior cruciate ligaments in the same season. And it feels a little bit like that now, that sometimes you can go a long while without these kind of serious injuries. And then for whatever reason, whether it's footballing karma of whatever can happen in football, it's happened all in one year. Yeah. And it's happened at the same time as Bolly has been out for a couple of times. Dendonka was out for a long time. Marcel has been injured for a long time. And, of course, Raul Jimenez yeah. and Daniel Pedence in the attacking areas. It's just, there's nothing you can do. The Wolves medical team are amongst the best, if not the best, in the Premier League. And we've seen that over the last couple of seasons. But I've, got, I've said it before, Jem ridiculously long season last season that is catching up with them and there is nothing they can do about it well hopefully you know as we look towards next season now we've got what eight games left in the premier league this season now and the summer will be a nice period for everybody to um have a lot of rehabilitation get everyone's strength back and hopefully we'll have a few of those players back with us by the start of next season it would be great to see raul back as well there's not been any word on whether he'll be making a appearance this season um but I think we can hopefully set our sights on having him back with us in August. Um, and I think, yeah, next season is, is something that we can really, really look forward to. You know, we're going to have fans back in the stadium. This really has been an unfortunate season for injuries for us. And I think we've really coped well considering the circumstances. So, um, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things change with those back in the side next year as well. But, of course, we have got several matches in the pipeline before that. Uh, firstly, we're playing again this Friday at Fulham. What are you hoping to see at that game, Mikey? Well, there'll be a lot of things that Nuno will be pondering over the couple of days leading up to the fixture. It's obviously quite close as well, so they'll be in for recovery for a couple of those days. And obviously, given the injury situation we've just spoken about, they'll be wrapping probably a few up in Cottonwall and making sure that they're good to go again at Craven Cottage. The big debate will be, do they stick with four at the back now 
or do they try and go back to five and how that looks? It may well, I imagine, be dependent on how far away Jao Martinho is. Yeah. If there is a chance that he could play, that might allow Nuno to put Leander Dendonka into the back line. He has Max Kilman as an option who could come in and play there. If he wanted to play Dendonka there, then the question becomes about who partners Neves in midfield. Morgan gives way, I think, did really well against Liverpool. And then we saw Vatinia come on last night. He has Zoe Notasari as well, who's had a couple of injuries recently and been away with USA and stuff as well. So he, he has some options there to decide what to do. He also then needs to decide, does he keep Pedence in or does he want to have him back as an option from the bench? Lots to think about. And also Fabio Silva, William Jose. Again, I I like William Jose and I like what he does for the team. And I think he allows Fabio Silva to play in the manner he does mm -hmm. later on in a game. Yeah. We haven't seen Fabio Silva do that from the start yet. He's still very young, of course. Mm -hmm. So all of that will be going through Nuno's mind. How do we get back onto the right terms, right onto the right path against a Fulham team who will be desperate for points? And who will be thinking, if they can beat Wolves, they might just drag us in and have us looking over our shoulder again. So it's one of those fixtures where they've got to go there and be brave again. And I, I say, I like the fact that Nuno went brave against West Ham because I think there's a lot of fans who would like look at it and go, I would rather they go out and try and attack than just simply protect for a nil-nil. Might not be that case at Fulham because... Needs must, don't let Fulham win, is the first and <laughs> foremost. So, And there have been some really good battles, by the way. You know, the 1-0 earlier this season was a real tense affair. Fulham, again, well organised. They changed their shape for that game to try and counter what Wolves were going to do. So, I, I, I kind of say I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but, it, you know, this is what football's about. It, it's about these kind of big, tense, nervy occasions that you know, want to grip you and get you invested in it. And that's why we watch the game. Absolutely. And, you know, it, you're totally right in saying that Fulham is going to be a difficult opponent. Playing them away uh, at Craven Cottage when they are fighting for survival. Now, if you look at the Premier League table at the moment, they're sitting in 18th and they're just three points now behind Newcastle. So um, Newcastle have got a game in hand. Um, but they're looking at a position where they really could, if they could get a couple of wins under their belt, they could survive this season. So they are going to be fighting tooth and nail to get a result against us on Friday. It's going to be a really difficult match. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited to see um, how it goes. And yeah, I'll be there with you, Mikey. So um, yeah, looking forward to that one. And then we can dissect that one on Wolves Radio again next week week. Um, yesterday, of course, also marked the final day of our one-pack week here at Wolverhampton Wanderers, where we've been celebrating equality, diversity and inclusion in football. And there's been so much content throughout the week. If you've missed any of it, you can catch up on wolves.co.uk and also on our YouTube channel as well. There's been so much every day. We've had some sort of web stories, some long reads and also some video content. I had the privilege of catching up with our Wolf Disability team early in the week, which was really, really nice to see how they're getting on. They, of course, played on the pitch at halftime against Cardiff City, if anyone remembers that one. Um, they won. It was a fantastic day for them. And two of them are now actually on the degree course at the Wolves Foundation, which is just fantastic to see how much confidence that match gave them to go on and, and study at, at degree level. That's just um, absolutely fantastic. We also had a Women at Wolves webinar um, on the Tuesday, which was open to the public. And 
we had a great turnout for that as well it was amazing to see so many people there and we heard some great stories from staff at the club um, and their experiences and it was a really really inspiring hour and that's one that we can actually go back and watch again if you if you missed it um, and also on the Friday we released a video of four of our Wolves coaches speaking about their experiences with racism and challenging prejudice um, and how we can continue to challenge prejudice in football going forward and it really was worth a watch it's a very thought-provoking 20 minutes it was filmed in a beautiful theatre here in Wolverhampton it is a really really stunning video and yeah covers some really important topics that I would encourage everybody to go and listen at and there's actually an extended version of that video available exclusively on Wolves TV so make sure you go check it out of course, on Sunday, I did get to see you, Mikey, in person in the beautiful, <laughs> beautiful Easter Sunday sunshine um, because it was the return of Wolves women after four months away. They were playing in the second round of the FA Cup against Nottingham Forest, who are in the league above them, and they won. <laughs> tell us a little bit about that day, Mikey. Yeah, well, I mean, you could tell us about that day because you were heavily involved in it down at pitch side very much. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was a great game, to be honest with you. I really enjoyed the whole thing about it. Um, just, you know, the the weather was right. It was such a shame there weren't fans in there because it would have been sensational to have them there. Oh, yeah. But it, they after four months of not playing, both teams, by the way, it's not, not just Wolves, but four months of not playing, to go out there and play in the manner that they did mm-hmm. for 120 minutes... And bear in mind that they weren't able to train until the couple of days leading up to the game. So I know they'd been doing things on Zoom and obviously they give them fitness programs and stuff. But to get them together in such a short space of time and put together the performance they did, I loved it. I don't know about you. I loved every minute of it. And you really felt every emotion with them like getting to sort of know them over the past year, the difficulties they've had. For anyone that's not familiar with um, Wolves Women's story over the past two seasons they've had the last two cut short voided no promotions no relegations and they've had to start again they've had to start again this will be the second time now they've had to start again without promotion when they've deserved it they've yeah they've been, been top they've been top and then this season at the beginning of the season which is absolutely incredible statistics they were unbeaten in their nine league matches with an aggregate score of 37 goals to three in the league which is absolutely phenomenal and just shows you the the level that they are playing at they are so good and they are so deserving of a promotion and they haven't been able to have it twice now um so for them to go through to the next round of the FA Cup, you know, fighting all the way to the end, they're right down to the penalties. The last penalty was saved by Beck Thomas, our Wolves goalkeeper, who was actually a former Nottingham Forest player herself as well. Um, what an absolute moment for them. It was really, really fantastic full-time scenes. Well, do you know, the, the best part of it, right, and, and this, is, this kind of plays into the whole story from it. So when you talk about football and when I, you know, I was talking about what gets you invested in football a moment ago with the Fulham game, it's about like the story within a game sometimes. So the Nottingham Forest defender, Olivia Cook should have been sent off in my view. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm saying that here on Wolves radio. I think she should have been (laughs) sent off. She took down Wolves striker Jade Cross when she was going to be clean through on goal and she only got a yellow card. Then at the start of extra time, it's her back pass that Jay Cross runs onto and the ball ends up going in and it's credited as an Olivia Cook own goal. <laughs> and then it goes to sudden death penalty shootout. Who's stepping up for Forrest? <laughs> it's Olivia Cook. Now, 
she won't be listening to this, and you know <laughs> it, it can happen to anybody in football. But that's an incredible story of the way the whole arc of the yeah. way that afternoon went, <laughs> that it came down to that moment. And again, that's why you've got to love football, because it just throws up these special kind of moments and stories and things that just grip you at times. And it was gripping, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know how you felt. <laughs> I saw you at one point as the penalties <laughs> were kind of being taken having to move your position and walk across the front of the stand. And yeah. you were bouncing with kind of, a, <laughs> I guess, a mix of excitement and nerves. Oh, God. Also, like, we were going to be interviewing Dan McNamara as soon as those penalties had finished. And I didn't know if I was preparing for a disappointing loss after fighting and being the stronger team over 120 minutes and then losing out on penalties. That would have been such, so, so gutting for the team. They really, really deserved the win. Or if I was going to be doing a really, really positive interview after the winnings, so I was just, oh my God, I was, I was so, so nervous for them. And yeah, I... Normally, I think when we're watching the first team, when we're sitting up in the press box at Molyneux, we sort of have to keep our emotions in check a little bit when we're watching Wolves play. You know, you can't sort of like jump up and celebrate a goal because you're sat in the press box with a lot of the um, away team's um, media as well. So, you know, there's a lot of courtesy there. We try and keep it under wraps a little bit, maybe like a little little clap or a little fist bump. But, you, you know, you, you try and keep it under wraps. <laughs> at the women's game, I absolutely screamed when that penalty was saved. <laughs> I was like, yes! I was like, it was, it was just an absolutely incredible moment for them, and yeah, you could you just you could just see how much it meant. I spoke to Dan McNamara after the end of the game, and he was really really emotional. You could see in in his face just how much that meant, how much they've been fighting after all of the setbacks they faced. Um, you know, coronavirus pandemic has been such a difficult one for everybody, but yeah. you know, for them having to have that that emotional turmoil of coming back, working so hard and then having it stop again and not knowing if it's going to count for anything, if they're going to have a promotion. Um, they have actually applied for upward movement in their league system now, which is great to see. And I really, really hope that Sunday's game at least has proven just how much they deserve that promotion. I want to tell you this story as well from it because we had Claire Hakeman with us who yes. had three spells as a player with Wolves and she was doing co-commentary for the first time. And uh, Nia Edwards scored the equaliser in in 90 minutes it was a wonderful goal as well into the top corner from just inside the penalty area brilliant finish she's only a youngster as well normally plays more central midfield but was playing as right wing back for this game and Claire Hakeman knows her dad knows the family yeah she's played sport with uh, Nia Edwards dad and she there was a tear in her eye when that goal went in it it meant that much to see Naya get that moment to see the team get that moment I just thought that was lovely and it it felt it it was so welcoming you know we talk about it being one pack and one pack week I think it was a wonderful summary of everything that the club had tried to do over the course of the the previous week to show that we want to be as inclusive as possible. We want to welcome everybody into our family as possible. Yeah. We are a family. I've said that before so yeah, many times. Really and it was wonderful to see them have that moment and to see the celebrations and everything that went on and through it. And their season continues. Yes. They and Watford next. Yeah, Watford next this coming Sunday. So you can keep up to date with that on their Twitter. If you don't follow them on social media already, at Wolves Women. Um, yeah, and let's hope. Let me, amazing for them to be able to play against Watford Women as well. That's just an incredible, incredible fixture that they've um, drawn there. Um, and of course, we must mention as well, before we finish, that Anna Price uh, was commemorated with her 300 appearances. An absolutely phenomenal achievement and 
even better that she managed to get the win as well with her team um but yes that wraps up everything for today mikey it's been a pleasure to be back here talking to you again and before we know it, we'll be speaking again again about the fulham game next week so if you have anything you'd like to ask us in particular then you can always reach out on twitter at jem and at mikey burrows and we'll see you next week <laughs>